Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. We have Sirgun Karkalsa from Arizona, who, after a home birth transfer with her first child, decided to free birth her second child with just her husband. After carrying past 42 weeks, her nervous midwife called 911 towards the end of her labor, and Sirgun experienced a dramatic transfer, resulting in unnecessary intervention and obstetrical abuse. Thankfully, following her intuition with her second pregnancy, she tells the story of her healing and powerful birth at home on her terms. My first birth experience with um, my my four-year-old, he's four now, um, was that the experience was totally different from my last birth. So I've had two uh, in that in just the way that it started because we weren't planning it. Um, we thought we were being really careful <laughs> not mm-hmm. to have not to get pregnant. I was about a year into my marriage, little less. And, um, we were both, I mean, we were both older. My, my husband's six years older than I am. I was 28 at the time. Um, so it wasn't like a bad time to have children or, you know, it wasn't like we felt unprepared to do that, but it was just a surprise. And, um, and it actually, it's still super mysterious when the conception date was because when the conception time should have been we were sleeping in separate beds working at a festival. So it's, it was like just super Mm -hmm. mysterious. Interesting. And, um, yeah, when I got home from the festival, I, I was used to being really tired after working there because it's super long hours and a lot of interaction with people, which is difficult for me that much of it. And so I'm used to getting back and just kind of sleeping for a few days. Right. Um, but it, the tiredness did not seem to go away. <laughs> and, um, and you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm wondering, I'm like, gosh, do I have like some sort of flu or, you know, what's going on? Cause I've never been pregnant. So I didn't know what that felt like. And, um, I wasn't really keeping, you know, super great tabs on my, my cycle or anything like that. Um, cause it had been irregular. And anyway, I can't remember what kind of how it occurred to me to take a pregnancy test but I just decided to get one and, you know, peed on the stick and whatever. And it came out negative. And I was like, oh, okay, well, gosh, I ruled that out. Then I, then I seemed to be getting, you know, a little bit nauseous. And so I was like, well, you know what, I'm just going to go and see the OB, you know, the OB and, and, um, get like a definitive test. Cause yeah. you know, you Google and it's like, yeah, pregnancy tests aren't always accurate or whatever. So I go to, um, an OBGYN back when I, when I actually, I thought that was a necessary component in women's health. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I peed in their cup and, you know, came back and said, you're pregnant. And 
right, like right from the moment they said that, I was just ecstatic. Nice. And it's so it was because that can go either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, exactly. It was a surprise, but it was like such a you know just to know. First of all, I felt mm-hmm. you know, like, oh yeah, I'm not you know I'm not ill. Um, but yeah, just to that was that was really exciting because I don't think otherwise you know, I would have known when a good time to get pregnant was mm-hmm. at that. Yeah. Life. Sometimes they have to decide. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and I think I'm not sure it might've been the next checkup. It was either that one or that, or the next one where they like, no, it was probably the next one where they just scheduled me for a sonogram. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I did that and I got the picture and I thought it was so cute and whatever. And, um, Anyway, when I went in for, um, that checkup with the sonogram, I remember the woman, um, she wasn't the OBGYN, she was like the assistant. And I remember just getting like, not a very, um, not a very good vibe for what I felt like was going to be the continuation of that care. And, uh, you know, she was talking about like the hospital birth and I, I can't remember the exact wording, you know, that kind of turned me off, but it was like, uh, I don't, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna move along. (laughs) So, uh, and, and a lot of people in my community. So I I live right now, I live in a, in a Sikh community in uh, like a Kundalini yoga slash Sikh community Mm -hmm. in, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. And, and I didn't live actually physically in that community, like neighborhood wise at the time, we were about 15, 20 minutes away in North Phoenix. But, uh, but now I live, I live like right here. That was another difference between the two births is just a different house and different community around me. But, um, a lot of people in the community, whether in Phoenix and just the greater worldwide community, it would have home births. That was really, really typical. Right. So, and I had a friend whose mom was training to be a midwife and I, I asked her a bunch of questions like, you know, what, what do you look for in a midwife and, you know, whatever. And the, the first thing I remember her saying was, um, you know, make sure that she's uh, a registered you know, or gosh, what's the term? Licensed, regulated. <laughs> Thank A licensed midwife. Right. Um, so, so I, you know, so we looked at some hospitals and we looked at some, um, you know, birthing centers. And we looked at, we had a couple interviews. We had actually like, I think five interviews with five different midwives. And I remember like all of them thinking like, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, it was never, I never fell in love, but I, I, I did this silly thing where I was like, when the baby kicks, that's the midwife. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we actually found, oh, you know what? I'm forgetting this part is that for a while I didn't like, I didn't actually look for a midwife. I was just going to, um, a midwifery care kind of, uh, like establishment. So instead of it being like an OBGYN's office, it was just a bunch of midwives, Mm -hmm. but they were, you know, it was an office and they took my insurance and stuff. Um, and they used to have a a birth center, but it got shut down. So it was going to be a hospital birth with one of those midwives, but I didn't like the idea that it was going to be like any one of their, you know, six staff members could be with me. Mm -hmm. And I would know which one it was, whichever one was going to be on call. So that's what, that's what drove me to, to find, um, a, uh, uh, like a, a home birth midwife. 
so anyway, um, when the baby kicked, it, it landed on this woman, um, during her, during her interview with her interview with her and, um, and she seemed nice and I liked her office and her husband did this kind of healing modality that I got for free. And you know, that was, um, I thought that was a cool perk and, uh, it, it seemed to be going fine. You know, she was really laid back. Um, I was taking Bradley classes, which was, you know, somewhat informative, I guess at the time, I think the general theme of this pregnancy was just like learning. I, I didn't, I hadn't done any research prior to getting Uh into the pregnancy. So I didn't really know what, what paradigm I wanted to be in so much to learn. Yeah, I knew, you know, I knew enough that I didn't want to have a C-section and I didn't want to, you know, have medication or, or, you know, drugs to, to stop the pain and stuff. And, and I was really intrigued by the hypnosis, hypno, um, hypnosis Mm -hmm. idea, like, but I didn't end up taking those classes because my sister-in-law convinced me to take the Bradley anyway. Um, not that, not that that was her fault. I just, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. We've had two kids. I'll do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, um, by the, by the time I was like really pregnant and, um, and I'd only been with my midwife for a few months at that point. Cause I, like I said, we, we found her kind of late. Um, I think also like, I didn't feel pregnant until I was really big. Cause I just wasn't connected to mm. that, you know? my body. And so once I could like actually looked pregnant and it took me a really long time because mm-hmm. people kept commenting small I was, which made me feel really like, yeah, <laughs> like not, you know, um, like I wasn't doing it right. <laughs> um, so once I, I know once I we was, can't win, it's either too small or too big. <laughs> I know no one's ever <laughs> like your belly's <laughs> just quite right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But people, it's funny because I've heard like my, my Bradley midwife, she, she said, you know, when I've always been so big and I always think it's like a nice thing to say when I tell a woman that she's, you know, so small, but no, it, it like, it really did make me feel inadequate. Totally. Like you're not uh, growing well enough. Right. Right. So anyway, um, I, by the time I was really pregnant and I felt like, oh, okay, now I can really start preparing for the birth. (laughs) It was, it was kind of late in the game. Um, and, and all I'd really learned was like, you don't need meds and, um, you know, uh, here's how to push that. That was kind (laughs) of, you know, cause I mean, all the nutrition stuff, like Bradley was so much more prep and I've always taken such good care of my body that it was, most of it was kind of silly for me, sure. you know, like or obvious. You know, all your, your nutrients and stuff. I mean, that wasn't new to me for in pregnancy. It mm-hmm. was always part of my life and taking care of myself. So, yeah. So, so take me, we, yeah. Take me to the birth. Yeah. So, so what, what I, I have to take you a little bit before, because that's kind of what, what went wrong. So mm. I about 41 weeks, maybe 41 and a half. And my midwife is saying, well, no, you know, we're getting to like 40, 40 in a day, 40, whatever. And my, my midwife keeps mentioning like, okay, you know, if we go over, I, I'm not quite sure what she's concerned about, but she keeps mentioning this possibility of like, quote unquote, going over and, you know, and, and what could happen. And I think you should meet this hospital midwife just in case we get transferred. And, you know, so I'm doing all this stuff cause I'm listening to my healthcare provider, like a good patient. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
at uh, 42 weeks, I'm still not, I'm still pregnant. <laughs> um, so at that point I'm getting, I went to do the hospital, um, like no stress test or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. They checked the fluid and whatever. And I think I'd actually done it twice before the baby was born. Cause she wanted me to do it every like two or three days, something like that. And, um, I mean, at this point I'm, because she's having me do all this stuff, it's kind of like a doctor prescribing medication to you. You assume that there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, because your doctor is concerned, right? Or, you know, your my midwife was concerned. So I'm, I'm thinking like, my gosh, is my, you know, is my body going to be able to birth? Am I, you know, I mean, it's like stupid things are going through my head. Am I going to be pregnant forever? Mm-hmm. Like, is this baby really going to come out? Um, at 42 weeks and... I think it was either two or three days. Well, two at two days, I thought I was going into labor and then it didn't end up being labor. And then three days it was like, okay, this is definitely, definitely happening. Um, and my midwife came in the morning and, and I was, you know, I was, I was relaxed and nice and I, I was playing my music and whatever. And I remember her saying about the music, she was like, are you going to play this the whole time? And and I was like, why? And she goes, Oh, I think it's going to put you to sleep. And she was what? really concerned. Yeah. She was really concerned that I was going to get too relaxed. And that's the so weird. I know. I know. It's <laughs> like, that was, so that was like number one, what went wrong. <laughs> You're like, way to kick baby. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like, cause that, that was when I envisioned my birth, the soundtrack to it was I'm a musician, right? Yeah, so of course. the soundtrack to it was number one on my list. I ended up changing it to some other, it was mantra music. I ended up changing it to some other like really like kind of high, more high energy mantra music. But I remember that really changing the, mm-hmm. yeah, the energy of it. I had a birth tub. My husband, um, uh, set it up. He's, he like did a whole bunch of stuff while I was birthing. He changed how the refrigerator door opened. And <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't like sitting around. So, um, but yeah, she kind of, she went and picked up her daughter, um, from school and whatever. And was, you know, I can kind of tell was like, okay, this is going to be a long, you know, she's thinking like, this is going to be a long birth. So I'll, you know, I'll just get out of here and see if it progresses. Um, and, and the whole time she's doing paperwork and stuff. And remember that making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, by the time it was getting really intense, I remember, I remember feeling like, oh my God, what is going on? You know, it was like this, this sense of panic, like mm-hmm. I was being electrocuted or something, you know, and I was being repeatedly electrocuted and I like in my thighs, it actually felt that way. Um, and you were 42 and you were past 42. Yeah, it was 42, 42 and three days by like the medical, you know, and way she was counts. willing to stay with you? I can't remember what, what. She might have smudged the numbers or something. No, no, no. She actually, this was, and if I had known more, I would have helped her to do this. But she actually gave me the opportunity to do that. And I didn't get it because I'm such like an honest, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, you know, like the teacher's pet that sits in the front row that mm-hmm. used to, you know. So, uh, you know, when, when somebody, yeah, when you were like, like, lie, <laughs> of course I wouldn't do that. And why would I do that? You right. know, I, I understand what the importance, totally. if I had understood what the importance of doing that was, I've been like, yeah, who, who cares when I got pregnant? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But I didn't at that time. And 
Um, I think the law in Arizona is that she could stay with me, but I had to okay it. Like I had to understand that I had gone past my due date and that, um, you know, that it was risky that, you know, that's, that was the, the thing. And, And she, she at that point was like super vigilant, had to be super vigilant because if anything went wrong, she would be in big trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was, she was under a lot of pressure because of what the, because of the laws. So it was like, we were, yeah, it was, it was a bad situation. And I, I wish she had also just been honest with me about, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I understand like midwives can get into some, you know, big legal trouble that doctors, doctors can't. And, and I, I appreciate that, but I, I wish I had known kind of what I was agreeing. Yeah, it's really crazy how not transparent regulated mm-hmm. midwives are consistently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't know what she thought. Maybe she, I was also thinking to myself, you know, maybe she just thought like, I have no other options. And so she has to, you know, stay there with me or something. I, I'm she not could have transferred you to... She could have transferred me to a hospital for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so, okay. So you're in labor, you're feeling like you're being electrocuted. Yeah. And she's crying out. She, I remember the only thing she really said to me during the birth was, um, like, you know, make low sounds. Don't go so high. Like make the look. Cause I was going like, ah, (laughs) and, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm like right before transition at this point because, I remember she asked me, do you need to pee? I think she just kind of could feel where I was. And I, I didn't know cause I'd never done it before. Um, go, you know, going to the bathroom, uh, she, cause I said, yeah, sure. I'll pee. She was like, why don't you just try? So I'm, I'm trying to pee and she's, she's like, she gets her assistant. I really liked her assistant a lot better than, than her actually too. And, um, her, she, she put the, you know, cause she was checking me with a Doppler the whole time, obviously, cause she's a, a licensed midwife. And, um, she was noticing some, some heart decelerations while, while I was transitioning on the toilet. Um, and at this point I could tell she was, it went from like, okay, laid back. I'm doing paperwork while she, you know, while she, uh, goes through her labor to like high, high emergency alert. And so she went and she got an oxygen tank, which ironically she had borrowed from another midwife that I had interviewed and it was empty. <laughs> so, um, which I guess was kind of a blessing in disguise cause I learned about oxygen later, but, um, you know, she didn't have the oxygen tank, so that must've freaked her out. And, and then, um, I, and then I remember her telling her assistant to call an ambulance or maybe it was when she, I was, you know, it gets a little fuzzy, but maybe it wasn't when she got me on the bed. So after I was on the, the toilet in the bathroom, like way on the other side of the house, we bring me to the other side of the house where our bedroom is. She has me lay on my back, like hospital style, you know, and with my, with my knees up and just like start screaming push. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Come on, come on, come on, come on. I remember. <laughs> and I remember inside me wanting to be like, stop. Totally. <laughs> Like, like, what, what are you talking about? I didn't even understand what she, what she meant because yeah. I didn't know what that physically kind of felt like in my body. Sure. Um, what, you know, like I understand what raised your arm feels like, but I didn't know what, 
you know, push a baby out felt like. I mean, yeah. And before you're ready, it's (laughs) right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So at this point, I'm not sure my husband knows the chronology of this better than I do, but to me, it seemed like seconds later, like these five burly, you know, huge men come in the paramedics into my room. And suddenly it went from, you know, kind of quiet, even though it did accelerate a little bit, but in my mind, it was like, okay, peaceful home birth to, you know, um, five men in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, at this point, I, you know, I'm, my head is kind of spinning cause she's yelling, come on, come on, come on. Um, you know, she's thinking like, if we can get this baby out before the paramedics come, then, you know, we don't have to deal with this, oh even though I called them. And, uh, I, I remember at this point, just, I think it was the realization when I was like, when the men, when the paramedics came in, I was like, this is ruined. This is, this is done, done. You know, I give up. I I can't do this, I guess, you know? Um, and so, so I really like, you know, I, even though it might sound like I, I blame my, my midwife, I really don't. I, it was totally like an internal, an internal thing that happened with me that really made this birth like not, not the way that I wanted it to go. So it's really hard in the, in the, in the actual experience of it. And, and, and for a long time afterwards, I think it's really hard to see kind of the forest from the trees there that she created an emergency based on the rules and regulations that handicap her, the fear that she has around birth, the, all the pressures around you being past 42. Like, it's not like it's about somebody's fault. It's a complicated situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I mean, going in my head too, was like the fear that my, there was something wrong with my baby. Of course. Oh my gosh. You know, cause she, she's mentioning like, maybe there's a cord wrapped around its neck or, you know, maybe, you know, what, whatever it was. So at, so at this point, and my, my husband's whispering in my ear, I remember it was so sweet. He's like, you can still do this. You don't have to go. <laughs> and and, uh, and I was like, no, it's just, it's done. Like I, I was just too scared that there was something wrong with the baby that really, yeah. that really got me. So, you know, they, the paramedics are there, they get into the, they are in the ambulance. My, my husband is like the sweetest, most pushy person in an emergency. Cause they were like, you have to go, you have to drive in a car. You can't come in the ambulance. He's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not leaving her with you guys. Um, you know, either I come or we're not, we're not going. So, and I can't remember the, you know, what he said exactly, but he got himself in the ambulance. So he he's there in the ambulance and they're telling me not to push. Oh my God. <laughs> like I'm pushing, pushing, pushing at this point. Like I can feel the baby, you know, wanting to come out and I'm supposed to like hold it in. It's terrible. It, that was the most painful part of the birth. Um, and and the, all the while, the paramedics, like, they were so sweet. They're trying to tell me jokes. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so they they get me in. Um, they wheel me into the ER, right? That's the first place I go to. They determine that the baby is not in distress, so they get me up to the maternity ward. Um, at this point, five, I think it was like five minutes later, the baby, you know, was, was coming out. Um, but the the doctor, um, just like sliced me up, you know, just like gave me the episiotomy. It was like, didn't even ask was like, you know, we got to get this baby out. Um, I remember at that point, 
I was so, um, I felt so defeated yeah. that it was like everything else that I had wanted for that birth. I just was like, whatever, it doesn't even matter. You know, I'd wanted to hold the baby, you know, first thing I'd wanted to, it's like shut um, down. Yeah. I was just, I could tell it was like, it was the beginning. What I, what I know, you know, in, in retrospect, it was like the beginning of, of a postpartum depression that mm-hmm. lasted for about two years. It wasn't severe, but it was like, it was definitely, um, a part of my life. And my, you know, so my husband's still, still like rallying for me, you know, and he's like, don't, you know, don't take the baby. Do you, you know, do you have to, do you have to cut the cord? Right. You know, like, don't, what are you doing? You know, and, and Gandhi's, Oh no, actually she, uh, the doctor, the doctor was Dr. Gandhi. Um, the, uh, my, my husband asked her, she was like, he was like, can we, can we not cut the cord right now? Can we just let it go out? And she looked at him. I remember the look too. And you know, it like when you're, when you're in labor, it, it, I'm caught, co- I was cognizant of things, but I couldn't really act on them. Cause I could tell she was, she looked at him like, if you made more of a case for this, I think I would not cut the cord, but you're asking me as a question. So I'm just going to make that call. And so, mm-hmm. you know, she sliced it and, um, and then, you know, they gave you the baby for like the baby, they gave me a murder for a few seconds. It seemed like, and then took him to be weighed and whatever. And my husband's like the whole time is like keeping his hand on him and, you know, going, going over there to the scale and whatever else they felt they needed to do. Um, and then when the baby came to me, I just, I remember like my second sort of like just utter sadness yeah. feeling like this should feel different that mm-hmm. I'm I thought I was supposed to feel ecstatic. I thought I was supposed to be excited about my baby being here. All I feel is like I've been, you know, raped basically. Mm -hmm. And, and then, then everything after that was actually really pleasant. The nurses were super sweet. My, my husband told them about this practice that we do um, after the baby's born, what we call the 40 days, which is, I know a lot of cultures do it's like a six week, two days shy of six weeks kind of incubation period for the mom and the, the baby where we don't go anywhere. And we just, you know, bond and people bring us food and stuff like that. So we wanted to start that, but they, they wouldn't release us <laughs> like we were prisoners. They wouldn't release us until the, um, the pediatrician could, mm-hmm. you know, make sure the, the baby was okay. So he was like, he, so my husband made sure that we had, um, at least a room where no nurses were coming in and out of, and they put us at like the, if you mention like religious beliefs, I feel mm-hmm. like people take it really seriously. Oh yeah. So, um, so we, we were at the end of the corridor. There was one nurse that was allowed to come in, but anybody else had to clear it with her first. And she would ask us before anybody else came That's in. Nice. So it, yeah, it was, it was nice. And, you know, it was at that point, because so much had gone wrong, I really didn't want to go home. I really didn't want to sleep in the bed that I had been, you know, laboring in. So then my husband went back to the house and cleaned everything up Aww, and got the he's so good. Yeah. Cause he knew if I went back and the pool was still up and stuff, yeah. it was just so hard. And I also needed clothes cause I went in my, I was naked <laughs> So when we went, I think maybe at the point when I got in the ambulance, I was wearing like a long shirt or something, but that was because my midwife put it on me right before I got in. So, so yeah, that was, that was my first birth. And for the longest time afterwards, 
I remember thinking, thank God she was there Mm -hmm. because, because what if I had, you know, what if I had been, I don't even know what the other scenario would have been, but you know, there, there could have been something wrong with my baby. And if she hadn't made that call, then, you know, imagine what could have happened. I mean, I was, I I probably would have stayed in that state forever. I probably, that probably would have been my story about that forever if I hadn't done more research and wanted a different experience the next time. So in that that intersection right there, like the, the majority of people do choose to stay in that space because it is easier to not Mm -hmm. question and do the work on it and research and, you know, to, to, be willing to create a departure of trust from the providers who ultimately caused the trauma and, you know, fake emergencies is really deep work that often can be quite painful, ultimately very liberating, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, yeah, you have to want to go there. mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I did, I wanted a different experience. And part of the reason for me, so for a long time, I didn't want any more children because I was like, I can't, I don't want to do that again. And also because, because the birth experience was so traumatic for me and for, and for my son, because when you think about it, he was his, he was stuck inside me for over a half an hour, like in the birth canal, you know, um, because of that ambulance ride. And I, I can see it in his personality, you know, just like when he was, when he was born, he was so upset. He didn't want to be swaddled. He, you know, he, he like, he didn't want to be constrained ever. And I, you know, I'm, I can't say for sure that that wouldn't have been part of his personality before, but I really feel that it had something to do with the way he came into the world. Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, when, Actually, part of my healing process is this is funny. It was watching the Duggars. I don't <laughs> Have know you ever that, seen that show? No, I don't know. It's like is. twenty. I don't know what they got up to. I mean, nineteen kids and counting. It started as like sixteen kids or whatever. But I'm I'm I was was watching this show of like because I'd always wanted a really big family, you know. But I didn't know what people had to go through to get there. Yeah. And and so anyway, I I watched the show and I, I was like, it would be really nice to have more kids. <laughs> So, um, the next, the next conception was, was a conscious one. And we, and how many years after, um, conception two, but yeah. And you felt ready. Yeah. I felt ready. My, my first son was sleeping through the night at that point and he was mostly out of diapers and, um, yeah, I felt like I wanted to bring someone else into our family. And I felt like there was somebody, so this is from from like on a spiritual level, I guess, when, um, when the, when the pregnancy happened, both my son and my, my son, both my husband and I really felt like we were having a girl and somewhere in the middle of the pregnancy, we were like, wow, it, it changed. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's a different, somebody different. So I felt like there was still somebody that wanted to come. I still feel like there's somebody, <laughs> there's another really? one that wants to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. My husband might not be ready for that one, but, but yeah. Um, anyway, so I felt like there was, there was another soul that wanted to, to come into our family. And so we, we tried for a while. Um, I had to make some 
adjustments to my, to my diet, which ironically was kind of more of a return to how I was eating before I was married. Um, but what was, I wasn't eating very well after pregnancy and, um, and it was, and I was kind of all over the place with my, like trying, trying stuff and whatever. And maybe if I do this, I'll feel more energetic and whatever. Cause I was really lethargic in the first, in the first year of, of our renters life. So anyway, I, I changed a few things in my diet and I was eating a lot more fresh food and stuff like that. And, and, um, a nutritionist helped me. And we, so we, we, uh, we conceived and we, we were really excited. And in, um, in the, this is more of like a Kundalini yoga thing. Um, we keep it a secret. We're supposed to keep it a secret for the first 120 days after mm-hmm. conception, which I was so excited about being pregnant the first time I didn't do. <laughs> and then the second time around, I really did try, but because I had already been pregnant once it was, it was so obvious. Well, I've like, always, I know about the 120, like when that, that's when the soul comes in and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but I had never heard that you were supposed to keep it a secret. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, the idea is that that's kind of the time period where if something were going to happen, most likely it would, you know, if the pregnancy were to end, that's kind of of the the window. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is just, that it's kind of like this sweet little secret between you and your baby and your, you know, and the father and, um, yeah. So it, you know, people definitely do it. Um, and I, I tried, but I remember at some point maybe, and like the, it was pretty close, but my, my friend, like my friend just blurted out. She's like, congratulations. <laughs> and I got so alarmed because I wasn't, um, you know, super self-aware that I was showing. Mm. Um, I was like, who told you? <laughs> and she's like, I'm an architect. <laughs> I, I notice, I notice how things, you and know, you pop sooner with lie. the second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I was wearing, I always wear kind of flowy clothing anyway, but yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious. So anyway. at, what, at what point in this process did you start to think, I'm not going to go back to that midwife and wait a minute, I'll even go a step further and do this myself. Yeah. So when, when I was, and I had an inkling that I was pregnant was at this festival we go to in New Mexico, summer solstice. And I was, um, I had just missed my period. And and since having my first baby, my, my cycle was more regular. So I I noticed, and I was thinking, Oh my gosh, I could be pregnant. I could be pregnant. This is so exciting. And towards the end of the festival, I was, I was feeling more tired. And, um, I started like not wanting to eat the food that I brought for myself because I brought myself special food. And, um, you know, I was noticing, I was like, yeah, my body is kind of, you know, kind of different. And on the way home, um, even before I quote unquote knew I was pregnant, I, I asked my husband, I was like, how would you feel about just doing it? The two of us, you know, just doing the birth of two of us. And it was kind of like a, you know, my husband, and I talk about possibilities all the time and, you know, we don't always do them. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't like I definitively decided at that moment, but I had that idea then. And when I got home, I was, I was still in the mindset of like, I need, I need, you know, proof. So I, I immediately, when we, when we drove home, because he didn't want to, you know, we were camping and stuff. He didn't want to deal with going to another, like a clinic while we were in New Mexico and whatever. So I waited till we got back and I went to, um, 
to a little like midwifery clinic thing and, and, uh, it was positive and I was pregnant. I was so excited. And, um, at that point I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking about how I was going to do it. Cause I knew I had some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we did start talking about it, we were thinking like, we were thinking because I hadn't learned what I then began to learn was, you know, it ended up at the hospital anyway. It ended up costing us so much money to pay that midwife to make a phone call, you know, um, cause we paid out of pocket for the, the midwifery, uh, for the, the licensed midwife and then ended up using our insurance, you know, for the hospital anyway. So it was like, why don't we just go to the hospital first thing? Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll pay for it. And we don't have to worry about wasting money, you know, on that. Cause what if it happens again? What if I go 42, you know, what if that's just the way I gestate and I, you know, go 42 weeks every time, but that's actually, so that thought was actually what got me thinking about alternative solutions because whenever we, we went to um, a really beautiful looking um, birth center and we interviewed this really cool home birth midwife um, that I had a recommendation from a friend, a friend about, you know, and she was really, it was really sweet and great. And um, I did vibe with her. She was also a licensed midwife. Um, It was always like, the question was like, what happens if I go over 42 weeks? Yeah. You know, or, or like, here's what happened the first time. How would you have handled this? And I remember the, the birth center saying, the birth center, we were in like a, an orientation meeting, the woman being like, well, that's, yeah, that's probably how it would have gone down here too, you know? Um, and so at this point I'm like, well, gosh, I don't, I don't like any of these options. These are, you know, I'm going to, I don't want to put myself through that again, knowingly. So it was a full moon one night I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep, which often happens on the full moon. And I, I just got up and was like, I wonder if people give birth by themselves and just don't even deal with the medical community. Um, and I came across the indie birth website and, uh, and another website was like this family. They had their own website about, unassisted birth. I can't remember which it was, but I watched some videos and they were talking about how, how much less painful it was and how amazing it it is to, you know, just have that connection right from the, the start of not having anybody else holding your baby or telling you what to do. Or, and I was, I was like, I had a lot of questions because, you know, I, I did believe the first time that it was a medical, you know, event, Mm -hmm. um, that needed somebody there to support. So I, I can't remember. Oh, my next step was, I just started listening to all of Marin's podcasts, the um, indie birth. Um, what's it called? Taking uh, back birth, taking back birth. Thank you. Yeah. So I just, every day while I was doing dishes, um, I would be, you know, if I was in the kitchen or if I was doing something that didn't require me being attentive to my son, then I would, be listening to her podcast. And I started learning a ton of stuff I didn't know. And at this point I realized what had happened the first time because the first, the first podcast that I listened to, uh, um, of hers was why she quit being a licensed midwife. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just had this epiphany, like, Oh my gosh, this was not like, this was not what I thought it was. 
um, this, you know, and it completely re I like saw the, the event in a completely new light and it made a lot of sense how I could avoid it. <laughs> so, so the, the next, after that full moon, I kind of went forward in time, but I think I might've listened to that midwifery, that one midwifery podcast that night, the next morning I, I told my husband, I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this alone. This, this makes the most sense to me because, and, and, you know, he knows me, I do all of my best work alone. <laughs> I am a, I'm a super private, um, independent kind of worker. I, I collaborate well with others, but when it comes to like being creative and, you know, getting my ideas and my, my, my flow going, I don't like people observing me in that process. Well, and, and as you're starting to identify why all this horrible stuff went down in your birth, you can start uh -huh. to separate it and be like, wait a minute, it's actually safer to not involve other people. Right, right. Well, and that, that, that realization came a little later, you know, it was kind of like in layers. It was, but I remember the first thing occurring to me was I really should do things the way I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm doing them. It doesn't make sense to, you know, do things the way somebody else feels comfortable with them. Um, so that a friend of mine recently asked me cause she's, she's pregnant and she's thinking about maybe doing a free birth for her next pregnancy. She's not quite comfortable with the idea yet. Now, um, she was like, you know, um, I was just telling her that that's not, that's not necessarily why everybody chooses to free birth. Um, but for me, that was, I think that was the most, mm -hmm. um, you know, the biggest reason for me was, was just the, the freedom of being able to be alone. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, it was really because of that decision, I felt super empowered. I finally understood why women use that word about <laughs> pregnancy and birth. Mm -hmm. It seemed like kind of a ruse after my first time. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the prenatal, period was really sweet. And I just, you know, like really fed myself well. And, um, I think also part of it was that I knew how to eat to be being pregnant, you know, because coming out of being, um, a normal or a non-pregnant woman, I guess. Um, yeah, I was eating three meals a day, you know, um, and it was really kind of a crazy adjustment to eating all these snacks and things between, between meals. I, I really never got used to it my first pregnancy, but second time around, I was, you know, I was lactating the, my whole pregnancy anyway, but I had been nursing my son. So I was used to, you know, eating frequently and, you know, drinking a lot of water and doing all this stuff. So it, it seemed a lot like I figured it out. I was like, I don't really need any coaching on this. Cause I, I know what my body is like doing this now. And, um, I did a lot of meditation and a lot of yoga things that I was kind of afraid to do the first time because I didn't really trust my body could make a baby the first time. As silly as that sounds, I was like, I was afraid that if I, you know, did too much physical activity or, and this wasn't, this wasn't like anything I was hearing from anybody else. It was just kind of a, a quirk within myself that, um, that I could somehow like, mess things up, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I didn't have that the second time around and I stayed, I stayed so healthy. I felt amazing. Um, 
the first trimester was also not as bad. Um, I remember having some, you know, some like food aversions and smells from the refrigerator were not so fun, but I wasn't nauseous or throwing up or anything like that. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a different experience. It was a different experience all the way around. And I was carrying a different baby too. So it was, you know, so when the birth came around, um, it was funny because I had been so healthy the entire pregnancy. And right when I went into labor, which didn't end up being my actual labor, but it was on the night of leap year, I think, or the night before the of leap year of like the end of February. You know, so I was thinking like, Oh, this is going to be a leap year, baby. This is so exciting. Um, I, I caught the flu from my husband <laughs> and, and I could feel like it just kind of taking over my body as I'm going through these contractions and going, Oh my gosh, I don't like my husband was so, he was so sick and tired because he'd been sick for a few days. And, and I remember being kind of scared, like, okay, my husband is my whole team and he can't even like, you know, sit up for long mm. periods of time. So thankfully the, the contractions stopped and we went to bed and about a week later I was still sick, but he wasn't, I, I went into actual labor. And by this point, my, my oldest son was, um, sick as well. So we were like, my husband had been, my husband had recovered mostly. My son had a really high temperature and I was kind of like on the down, the down part of the sickness, but still like coughing and stuff. So my, my sister-in-law came and took my son and took him to urgent care. And we didn't end up seeing him for another three days. Cause we just felt like, um, we found out he had the flu and I, I was nervous about having him around a newborn. Yeah. Um, so, so he stayed there and, uh, my, my friend came and like helped my husband just clear the house of all germs and well, you know, as much as we could like cleaning linens and putting pillows out in the sun and stuff like that. And, um, I'm not sure how much of this was actually necessary because one of the doctors um, that looked at my son later was like, uh, you know, um, the baby basically had, you know, had, uh, was, had access to that, you know, that flu inside you. So we'll probably come out immune, <laughs> but anyway, so we, uh, the, the, the birth actually looked almost identical to the first time in terms of how it progressed. It started in the morning and it was really kind of like sweet and lovely and, you know, began. And I remember feeling a lot more relaxed and, um, my husband set up another birth tub and I, as the, you know, as the contractions sort of were getting a little bit more intense, I went into the bathtub and was like just singing to myself and pouring water on my belly and, um, was just really sweet. And then it, you know, progressed a little more and it got more intense. And I, I figured out that if I held on to the shower bar where the curtain was and kind of let my body hang there as if like something were falling out of me, it felt really good and it helped my muscles relax through, through the, you know, expansions. And so my husband rigged this pull, he had this push up bar and he, he tied this baby sling that I made to, which is this long piece of fabric, like kind of like those traditional, traditional, like long piece of fabric slings. Um, 
he did it kind of like, like so that it could act as a rope, but also like a hammock that I could kind of lean on when I didn't, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So not that I was completely um, reclined in it, but I could kind of tilt back and it would support me a little bit. So, so that was really nice. And I remember just feeling like, wow. Yeah. So if I had relaxed more through Mm. this the first time around, it wouldn't have felt like electric shocks. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was really nice. And I just felt so free. Like I was screaming, you know, I was just like groaning and making all these animal noises that if somebody had been there, I probably wouldn't have, (laughs) um, just because of my personality. And I knew that about myself. Um, so we moved, I moved again back to the birth tub and it was, it was not the temperature I wanted it, but it was okay. I got, I got back in it. And at this point, I, my husband could tell it was, you know, it was like imminent. Um, but I went, I went through this kind of mental doubt and I was like, I don't think this baby's coming, you know, and this baby, and then, and then he's, you know, just kind of looking at me and I, and I went, no, this baby has to come. All babies come, all babies come. <laughs> you know, I'm just talking to myself and, and I had made these, uh, I made in that room, I made all these like little, uh, positive affirmation things to read, but I don't remember reading any of them, <laughs> but they were there, um, helping me through it. And so I moved, there's like a bathroom off of that room. And I moved and I was like, I guess I got to get out of the water. Um, and I knew both times too, um, that I wouldn't want to deliver in the water. I, I liked, uh, laboring in it, but I did not, I did not want my baby coming out in the water for some reason. So I got out and I'm like, Oh, Oh, and this was so exciting. I, well, I think while I was in the water or maybe when I was getting out, I reached inside and I, I could, I like felt something squishy. And, and at the time I was like, that's a really squishy head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but it, you know, it was the sack and, and I, and it was with my first son too. So it was like, it's so similar with my first son too. his, his water didn't break. And I think the midwife ended up breaking it. Um, until she was yelling, push, 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 you know? Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm in the bathroom and I'm, I'm kneeling on one, I'm kind of squatting and also kneeling. I'm doing like a half thing and I'm, I'm feeling for, you know, where the baby, where the baby's, I think head is. And I, I remember just feeling like, Oh, like kind of just this drop and it just the whole, Oh, Oh no. I, I reached in and I tore the sack. I remember, I remember doing that. I was just like, I need to, this, this needs to get done. Um, and after that, the baby just slid out. I caught him. I didn't know he was a him at this point. Cause like I had said before, we thought he was a girl the whole time I was pregnant. Maybe I didn't say that, but we did. And, and I'm holding the baby and I'm like, just so proud of myself. <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm like yelling, like I did it. I did it. I did it. And then, and then I was, you know, I was like, okay, I have to give credit to you too. Like we did it, (laughs) you know, maybe you, you did a lot of work too, but I was, I was just so, so like victorious Mm -hmm. feeling. I felt like I had, oh, just done it and completed it. And, you know, it's just this beautiful full circle that, oh, it was amazing. And, 
um, it took a little while for me to realize that I didn't know what the sex of the baby was for sure. So I, you know, I looked down and and I just started laughing (laughs) because I, it was, it was such a shock. It was like, um, another boy. That's so funny. Plus he looked exactly like my first baby. <laughs> we'll repeat. I mean, exactly. I was like, Oh my gosh, same human. So yeah, that was, that was, uh, that. And I, I held him and I kept holding him and I never let him go. And we, we laid down in bed together and I, uh, delivered the placenta and my husband, uh, went to the kitchen and chopped up little pieces and put it in the freezer for me, mm-hmm. um, which I, I did end up taking. And, uh, how did yeah. you feel in the coming weeks? I felt great. I felt really, really great. Um, my, my son slept so well, it was alarming. He, he slept, I think, that first night and the nights to come, you know, in like five, six hour chunks, which I thought was like, just kind of crazy for a newborn. And, uh, and he, up until the point where he started teething at around was August, like maybe six months, he was the most angelic, like fussless baby. <laughs> like until he started teething. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then he, you know, and then he was human. Yeah. <laughs> And your body felt good afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it still feels raw. You, you know, you, it's a big, a big physical thing that you go to. So, you know, I definitely had some healing ahead of me. How did your community respond to this choice? Was there any sort of, was there anything other than support? I kept this very secret. Um, I kept it a secret because like I've mentioned, I'm a pretty private person. I felt that I really didn't want to get into discussions about it before I had an experience of it with other people. Yeah, that's I really didn't feel like I could, um, like defend I really it. Yeah, I really feel like I could defend it until I did it, you mm-hmm. know? So I did tell a few people though that I trusted. Um, and, uh, there were, they were supportive but, you know, supportive because I was an adult and, you know, like it's your choice, not supportive in the sense of like, wow, that sounds like such an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a, my neighbor across the street who's, who's actually never had any children. She's, she's so sweet, but she was like really concerned about me because my husband ended up, my husband told her and I can't remember how that came up. But when he did, I was like, why did you tell her? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so they were praying like the whole time her and her husband. Um, and when I told, when I told them a little later that we thought maybe we were just going to have two kids, she, she said, uh, Oh, thank God. I don't think I could go through that again. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the majority of people have been brainwashed to believe that it is, you know, a medical event that borders on emergency, you know, at any given random time. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is people who basically expect you to have a home birth. I think most people view it as a change of location and not necessarily a change of paradigm, you know? So it's, it's nicer to be at home than in a hospital, Mm -hmm. but you want the same stuff. Right. You're still going to get the ultrasounds and the tests Mm -hmm. and the routine 
stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Wow. What a wild ride you went on. Yeah. I feel it's, it's funny, but I think I had, I also had to have a second child just so that I could oh, yeah. do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get to see like what birth really can be and not have it taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, that's a, I a big also, part, I think, of the okay. healing to be able to be like, that happened to me. That wasn't, that wasn't like me and my boy causing that. That happened to mm-hmm. me, you know, which right. is painful in some ways because it's such a betrayal of perhaps the team or the system or whatever. But I, I, it seems like such an important part to be able to identify. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I feel really blessed that it happened that way the first time because I, you know, when you say like it happened to me, it also, I, I believe we really create our own reality. And I, I, uh, I must have needed that in order to have the experience that then followed, because I don't think I would have known to go that quote unquote extreme away from the norm if I hadn't had that very extreme kind of you know, what could go wrong with, with that thing? Because a lot of my friends home birth uh, or have home birthed and nothing really so bad happened. Totally. You know? I mean, yeah, if you had had like a within the margins, quote unquote, normal home birth experience, mm-hmm. then you probably just would have hired her again, which would have been fine. Mm-hmm. You probably would have had another mm-hmm. quote unquote, normal experience. Right. Yeah. But I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to feel like you said, like what, what it can really be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty unmatched. Mm -hmm. It just like, I mean, on the, it's such a deeply personal and spiritual experience, but also like on the whole that you can know that everything we've ever learned and heard about birth and our bodies and, you know, to, to not trust it and to put, you know, put, uh, what's the right word, you know, not, not just trust, but like blind trust into a system and other people that somehow they're going to know better than you, mm-hmm. you know, and then your postpartum, both your postpartum experiences really speak to, you know, what happens in your birth when you feel, when you are mistreated and disempowered versus feeling your own agency and making your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recovery time was way shortened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thank God. Like because not as much kid. to recover from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got another kid for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing all the stories. Really. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. It's, um, did you get to sing at all in your second birth? Yeah. When I was in the bathtub, I was singing to myself. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.